Father, just help us to understand your word and to practice it. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you some ideas of how to reset your priorities and enjoy the festival. Uh, but first, I, I'd like to do a quick review on the holiday and the holidays we've been looking into. Uh, this is going to be really quick because there's nachos today and when I eat them. Uh, <coughs> and, uh, but any question, any question you might have after, we can talk after the nachos, of course. And uh, <coughs> that was thanks to Dan who reminds me that there were nachos today, not supposed to be here more than two hours. So I'm going to concentrate all these two hours sermon I had into less than that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, let's talk about, I, give, I gave a small class in the sukkah last week, uh, it was what, Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, and I was just giving you some tips about what we've been doing, and I was talking about salvation and prosperity. This uh, festival is about that, salvation and prosperity. There are many Midrashim studies of the Bible online, and uh, regarding these are regarding any topic possible for the fall, for biblical holidays or fall Jewish holidays. And they are very popular online. I mean, you can see many of them. I mean, there's many uh, traditional rabbis and messianic rabbis, and they're put together be beautifully. All these explanations are amazing. But of course, the more popular topics right now, lately, is uh, about the traditions of Sukkot. There are many, I mean, there are like 15, 30 traditions you can look into. It depends on where the Jewish people are coming from. And so I was explaining to you in the sukkah about that what we do is probably from the Lithuanians, Polish, Russians. Why? Because most, the majority of, of uh, Jewish people in Holy Land, Brooklyn, New York, are from those places. <laughs> they are from those places, and so you can't. You can rely on those traditions, you know. And so, and our rabbi, uh, uh, Scott Secular, he is from, originally his family were from Russia. So his, his um, principles and his customs, his customary things and culture is from those places. And besides, he was part of the reform uh, temple here in Atlanta. So that's why you see this, uh, beautiful mixtures of traditions and things. I, my part, was learning from the Sephardim and from some Ashkenazim from Chabad as well. And, uh, but, you know, I was trying to look into these traditions in Rambam and Rambam and his work, Guide of the Perplex, written in uh, 1185-90s, something like that. That's many years ago. He mentions the importance of read the biblical text in the, their original context and in the basic, simplest way. Or Pashat, which is the, one of the parties' interpretations in Judaism, which is the first level of understanding in Judaism. The Pashat is the literal meaning of the text. This is similar of what the Christian theologians will call in hermeneutics, grammatical, historical exegesis, or the literal principle. That's what they call it for those who study theology in the Theologian Institutes. His base for this thought, the base of, of Rambam, 
is uh, that even King Solomon, the wisest man ever, mentioned the difficulty to understand the meaning of the lulav and the etrog. So he never did a midrash on it, because it was impossible, he says, to understand it. There are some interesting midrashim to express the understanding of the lulav and the etrog. I will mention just a couple, probably the most popular ones. Leviticus 23.40 says, On the first day you shall take the pr product of hadar trees, branches of palm trees, boats of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the night your God seven days. And of course you've been probably hearing about the, the, the uh, not the lula, but the etra, what the origin is from, and so on. Midrash by Ikra Rabbah 30, for instance, mentions the idea of the four, uh, four fruits to be represented by their smell and taste and compare them with every Jew and their communities. The lulav, for instance, has no smelling, no taste. The lulav is the crown or the top of the palm called date. According to the Midrash, it represents a Jew who neither studies the Torah nor follow the mitzvot. This is a secular Jew. The myrtle, the harazim, has a good smell but not good taste. It represents the Jew who studies Torah but does not practice any commandment of the Lord. The willows, arabot or hoshonot, have no smell but good taste. It represents the Jew who does not study the Torah, but practices any commandment he understands. The etrog tastes good and smells good. It represents the Jew who study Torah and practices the commandments. That's, that's better than I, right? We study the Torah, we practice every commandment. Amen. So just like the four species, it's the species of the spices, Huh? Well, some says spices, some says species. So I'm gonna just call them the fruit. You, 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 you are the, you are the original English speakers. So I don't know. I'm gonna call them spices. Spices. Okay. But you know what I'm talking about. The four elements and Sukkot. Just like the four species are together. So the community should be together. We put them together, right? So the community also should be together, including all these kinds of believers I just mentioned to you. From the secular to the very religious ones. Even with our differences on how we approach the Torah and the religion in general, we should be together. That's a good thing. The four species, or spices, can also represent the human body. The lulav is like the spine, the willow looks like our mouth. Um, a good reminder of not to practice Lashem Hara. The myrtle looks like our eyes, a good reminder of uh, to be careful what we see. And the etro represents our hearts, a good reminder of what we're going to put in our hearts. Uh, now keep in mind that in ancient times, the hearts represents also the mind. What we put in our minds are very important. Rambam comes with the idea of the importance to consider the historical events of the four species before to consider any Midrashim. Again, the simple form of any Porsha will give us the basic and fundamental meaning of the biblical text. The Dewey, 
means testimony. Eduyot is the plural. And this is a very important concept in Hebrew and also on the science of forensics. I took a note this time. Uh, something special comes out of, of our lives when we show up our eduyot, our testimonies. Something important comes up. I had the opportunity to give my testimony to a, a, a Jewish person who is a secular. One of these days, I think it was a couple months ago. And he just, you know, with my testimony, he was amazed. He was like, wow, I never heard something like that before. And I'm pretty sure he, uh, you know, now is thinking to accept the Messiah just because of my testimony. So give your testimony. It's powerful. It's very powerful. You don't need to be a, a scholar at all. Okay? Uh, why we are... Why we are to perform the commandments of the celebration of Sukkot? That's in Leviticus 23, 42-43. The complete Jewish Bible says, You are to live in Sukkot for seven days. Every citizen of Israel is to live in a Sukkah. So that generation after generation of you will know that I made the people of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai your God. So this is the, the, the most important commandment. That's the, that's the original idea of why we do this. So there is a, a historical testimony of the children of Israel as a nation in their 40-year transition between Egypt and the Holy Land of Israel. But this is a testimony to who? Who they were making a testimony to? To the nations. Sukkot is a celebration where the nations are invited. It is all over the Torah and the prophets. Seventy bulls are being offered in Sukkot, for instance, representing the seventy nations there. Even the rabbis tells you all the time that seventy bulls represents the, seven, the, the nation. Zechariah 14, for instance, refers to the event in the future where the nations are participating. And I think Bobby mentioned that this morning in his um, uh, lecture about Shabbat Chokham Moel Sukkot. And he says, Zechariah 14, 16 says, Finally, everyone remaining from all the nations that came to attack Jerusalem will go up every year to worship the king, Adonai Zebachot, and to keep the festival of Sukkot. 17. If any of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Adonai Sebachot, no rain will fall on them. See, we should bless any time it rains. I know it's very um, unco uncomfortable for some of us. Uh, you know, when it's raining, you're all wet, it's cold. And, like, ah, I don't know if I want to get up from my bed and so on. And, uh, but it's important to, you know, the, the, the raining is so important. We need rain for the lake, right? Like Linear. You know, I love to take my long showers, but, uh, you know, I'm trying not to do it. Uh, if the family, 18, it says, if the family of Egypt doesn't go, uh, besides that, I'm going to make a parenthesis, rain is connected to Sukkot all over and the fruits of everything that comes from earth should be like 
the roof and so on. I mean, the rabbis go on and on with in the Mishnah and, and some Midrashim and the Talmud, they go on and on how to do that. Everything is connected to the earth. And even when we do the blessings, we connect earth and heaven together, uh, reminding the covenant and, and so on. And we shake the lulav, you know, uh, to the four corners of the earth, inviting the nations in. So I think if the family of Egypt doesn't go up, if they refuse to come, they will have no annual overflow from the Nile. Moreover, there will be the plague with which Adonai, <coughs> I'm sorry, which will Adonai <coughs> will strike the nations that don't go up to keep the festival of Sukkot. This will be the Egypt's punishment and the punishment of all the nations that don't go up to keep the festival of Sukkot. So if they're not keeping it now, they're going to keep it eventually anyways. So rain is another important factor on Sukkot, an important element. We pray for rain in Sukkot, in, in Israel is the raining season. In ancient times and even today, rain is important. Rain and water in general is connected to these holidays and even the four species are depending on water, as I mentioned before. There are also rituals of water libation when the temple was up. Oshana Rabbah, which is going to happen tomorrow. It's so connected to the water libations. And you see Yeshua coming in right after it, saying, I am the water. So it's just, it's just beautiful. Going back to the testimony, the lulav and the crown of the, of the date palm tree help us to uh, remember our journey to Israel in victory. Why? There is nothing in the desert but sand. But even in the desert you can find life represented by the date palm tree. If you get a few of them, you can get an oasis. Thus, you survive in harsh conditions. It's a way from God to remind us today that we can survive to anything, even if we feel we are passing by the desert. Because we're very dramatic, you know. It's not a desert. It's Georgia, people. Come on, don't be depressed for nothing. Just kidding. You have the right to be depressed. <laughs> It's a way from God to remind us today that we can survive to anything, even if we feel we are passing by the desert and we, our lives are in harsh conditions. Okay? So whatever you're passing through now, you're not in the desert. God is with you. God will get you through. And Midrash tells us that when the Israelites cross over the Jordan River, the first plants they found was the willows. And they, and when they got inside of the land, the myrtle in great quantities. So they needed to cut them to plant the etro trees, which they need to treat them very, very careful, representing good quality life, because you need time to take care of those trees. So it's a, a life of, you know, you have time. There's no water, you have time. There's no, nothing to worry about it. Someone dedicated to take care of trees and fruit have a prosperous life. The lula was planted over by uh, where the judges were by the gates of the cities to provide shades. When a person used to be in court for any reason, if he won a case, he'll cut a crown of the palm tree, the lula, 
and he will take it giving a testimony of victory over the case. Meaning Hashem helped him on his case. Okay? So we just came out from Rosh Hashanah, Judgment Day, and then we were clean on Yom Kippur, and then we checked the Lulav, which means we are victorious over that case. That you, already Yeshua died for us. <laughs> so we have the Judgment Day, forgiveness, and a good testimony checking the Lulav, signifying our victory over death, over anything. Uh, so, checking the Lulav signifies the victory Hashem gave us, but also the prosperity He gave us. Now, what else do we do in Sukkot? Many communities will say the prayer of Hallel. What are the prayers of Hallel? Hallel means praise. It's not Halal, it's Hallel. Halal is something else. That's <laughs> Arabic. That's something that Hallel means praise. It's a Jewish liturgical designation for Psalms 113, uh, 113 to 118. As read in the synagogues on festive occasions. In ancient times, Jews recited these hymns of the three pilgrim festivals when they offered the required sacrifice in the temple of Jerusalem. The Psalms express faith in gratitude for divine providence. So, a benediction usually precedes and follows recitation of the Psalms. The preceding uh, benediction is omitted in the eve of Passover, Pesach. The Talmud stipulates that a reading from a book of Esther should uh, replace the Esther on Purim. In time, the term Hallel came to mean the great Hallel, Psalm 136, which is used in the morning service in the, in the Sabbath, festivals and during the Passover Seder. The half Hallel, parts of Psalms 115 and 116 are omitted, is used on the last six days of Passover and on the new moon. Can you find that in the so-called New Testament? Of course you do. Uh, there are a few references in the Gospel, in the versions of Matthew and Mark. When Yeshua was uh, right after the Seder, and it says in Matthew 26:30, after singing the Hallel, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That's the same in uh, Mark 14:26. After singing the Hallel, they went out of the Mount of Olives. Hallel was given, was recited in the holidays, the pilgrim holidays. There are another reference on the chanting of the Hallel in the Gospel version of John, chapter 12. Verse 12, it says, The next day the huge crowd that had come up to the feast heard that Yeshua was coming to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hoshiana Baruch Haba Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. This is making a reference of Psalm 118, verses 25 to 26, the end of the chanting of the prayer of Hallel. And this is how it goes. I'm not a good chanting, but this is how it goes. Anna Adonai Oshiana, Anna Adonai Hatlichana, which means, uh, please Adonai save us. We beseech you Adonai, prosper us. So this is again, and then they says, Baruch HaBabeshem Adonai. Blesses he who comes in the name of Adonai. So this is what they were doing then. And they were 
they were uh, kind of uh, shaking the lulavs and, and they were doing other rituals. This is what he was uh, 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 witnessing in there. Now you can find some other references in, in, in Matthew 21, 21 9, 23 39, Mark 11 9, Luke 13 35, 19 38, and John 12 13. So let's just stop right here. What is the message? What is the message of all of this? We need to be like Amsegula Israel, a treasure people. Treasure. We are the treasure people for the Lord. You want to see a miracle today? Look at each other. Even if you're kind of boring or tired or whatever, you know, look at each other. Just, I want you to look at each other. Don't feel, even if it is your wife, yes, you can look at her. <laughs> or your husband. <laughs> Just look at each other. That's a miracle, people. Amen. Every one of you are a miracle. Amen. Okay? Every one of you is a miracle. So, <clears throat> just like Israel, whenever they will check the Lula, will give their testimony for the nations, we as Messiah, Messiah's believers need to continue the tradition, not just doing what we do in Sukkot, but also giving our, our testimonies to the nations, to everyone out there, including our enemies. That's what we need to, to be. Uh, bring that message. So that's the introduction, people. <laughs> so, how to, how to reset your priorities and enjoy the festival? There is a song that I, you know, I wanted to just do my midrash in this little portion. I've been talking to my wife and others about it. Psalm 104, 4. In this version it says, and it's a complete Jewish Bible, it says, You make winds your messengers, fiery flames your servants. And I'm like, is that mystical? Well, how do you like today's technology? How, to, how today's technology moves? Radio waves, laser some kind of waves on the wind, right? Some of them look like fiery flames if you look them with a different kind of technology or eyes. So technology today can be really amazing and annoying at the same time, isn't it? Just got a new phone and I'm still annoyed by it. I like it, but I don't at the same time. So just a few years ago, uh, they said we were in the golden age of TV. Right? Remember that? It was a few years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the smartphones were not there. We have an amazing stuff in our hands lately. Uh, TV was, in, in before, a few years ago, was the ultimate piece of entertainment for any American person or in, in any of the Western civilization, Western society. Was the best piece of entertainment ever made. We were able to watch those favorite networks for the diversity of peoples in USA. ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, etc. All kinds of tastes. Then cable TV channels took over. USA, FX, HBO, Showtime, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, you name it. 
So many of them, right? When was the last time you went to uh, and buy a newspaper? An actual newspaper? I mean, people don't want even to buy Bibles anymore. I mean, I still love paper, you know. It smells good. That's the first thing I do when I buy a book. I smell it. And then I pay for it. So, when was the last time you visited a public library? Are they still there? Yeah, they use them probably for something else than books, right? Maybe public meetings or whatever, you know. Um, now, since radio is also compromised and tends to disappear, now we have the podcasts. You know what the podcasts are? Some recordings that you can download in your phones and listen. Man, the record words and speeches are important. Talks are being moved to other kinds of devices. What about audiobooks? You like audiobooks? You can listen to books? I love to listen to audiobooks when I'm in the gym, when I'm driving in the great Atlanta area. <laughs> you know, it's like talk radio. I really don't like talk radio. I don't, I don't care about your problems, people. I'm just listening to my, to my books, whatever. I'm in an area where I need peace. I don't need to be excited in you know. So I'm like, I need to have a peaceful, especially when you're stuck on 85 or 285 or 29 or anywhere, you know, 78, whatever you're coming from, the 20, which is a mess all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and sometimes I listen to podcasts from any rabbi, traditional rabbi or messianic rabbi out there in the world. And I really enjoy those audio presentations as well as all variety of YouTube videos. Yes, I love YouTube as well. And other kinds of communi communicative presentations out there. But there's also a but in the, the equation. And that is, we have to be careful of what we allow our eyes and our ears to consume. The industry of all these communication devices and media is contaminated with things that are not necessarily for the believers. Amen. But that is something we as individuals and believers in Messiah, we need to balance out in our lives. And we need to have priorities. So how to set priorities? Well, setting priorities, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to watch the news. There's some other TV shows of all kinds. There's nothing wrong with it. But we need to establish priorities in our lives. What is the first thing you do in the morning? So you turn your TV, your computer, your phone, before saying your prayers? I think you have a problem if you do that. Say your prayers before and then do anything else. Um, what is in your heart this morning? What did you put in your heart this morning? What is it? I encourage you to once in a while review your life's content. I will say, but what is that you might say? Well, you know a lot of our stuff we do in life stays in a record. Now I'm talk not talking about record in heaven or anything like that. But it goes like, for instance, in your checkbook. Review your checkbook. How about your social media accounts? Friends and the content your friends use. 
family and uh, how do you get along with them? Don't forget your Amazon accounts, your movies accounts and so on. What are you been watching? What are you spending your money to? What are you been hearing and, 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 and seeing? That's important. We're able to listen some good quality sound and video lately than ever before, than ever before. And also we have so much easy access to anything. That means our kids as well. Nowhere in the history of humans before our eyes and ears are being saturated of information with a lot of materials with all kinds of controversial content. But yet, even with our eyes and ears so full of information, sometimes we feel like we are barely scratched, not only the surface of the options available, but the information available. So how to set this priority? They says that if you do the first thing in the morning for the next five minutes, you'll do for an hour or more. So whatever you start to do early in the morning, five minutes, force yourself to do that for five minutes. And then your life will change. There is nothing better than getting a good book, an actual book, not a Kindle book or any other kinds of electronic devices. And it's even much better when we read the book Amen. early in the morning. When you grab for his glory. When you grab your Bibles right after your prayers, just when you are making the morning coffee, that's very important. Morning coffee. Yes, well, green tea, yeah, she's English. But anyways. <laughs> or green tea, okay. <laughs> so it's important to, you know, get something nice to your body, right? Some tea's got caffeine, you know that. <laughs> Try to establish the Word of God as priority in your life every morning and all your priorities will be set for the day. Do this in an actual habit. You know, our lives are full of habits, good and bad habits. The idea is to get rid of the bad ones and grab the good ones for our lives. Good habits are important in a daily basis. So I'd like to read a verse which makes me a little thoughtful. Let's read Ecclesiastes, another book that we read in the season of Sukkot. Ecclesiastes or Kohelet, Kohelet 1.8. It says, everything is wisdom, some that, that one can express. But these two are more important, these two next verses. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, the ear not filled up with hearing. I'm like, oh my goodness, between this psalm and this verse, I'm like, okay, the waves are in the air, the wind is bringing this, this kind of things to us, to our homes, and then, I mean, it's just amazing. I, I like how the Jewish public, Publication Society translates the same text. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear enough of hearing. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear enough of hearing. 
Our societies have many, many issues that seem to be non-fixable. Thanks God we're not in charge. He is in charge. Some of you believe you're in charge, but think again. You're not. You're not under control of everything, okay? You should be in charge of yourself. And I'm not talking to the Martians, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Do you think you're under control? <laughs> if you feel you are in control of everything, you are delusional. One of those issues I was referring to before is the way we eat. Some rabbis have interpreted that the feeling of having plenty or have the feeling of satisfaction can lead us to a kind of spiritual rebellion. Have you realized when you are in the harsh times, it's when you pray more? Yeah. Have you? And when you're nice, you know, having your nice shower, there's heat in the house, plenty food, you're like, ah, Netflix, <laughs> right? But also while our tummies, our stomachs feel satisfied when we eat, our eyes and ears are never satisfied, never satiated. Never full according to Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes. On the other hand, how many of us will ever have the opportunity to see the whole world? How many of us are going to have that opportunity in our lifetime to see every city in the European continent? Or even in here in our country? Have you been in every part of the this amazing country? Every city possible? Some of you work on those cities, but you don't really enjoy those cities as being a tourist, right? How many of us will ever be able to have the opportunity to watch every TV show possible, every newest movie, the latest series of any particular show out there, every classic film? How many of us will ever be able to read every great book that is being printed or to visit every museum in the world? How many of us will ever be able to have the opportunity to hear every word of a loved one, especially love those who are gone? How many of us will, be, will ever be able to have the opportunity to see and enjoy every little thing we love to do? Every sunset with the person you love. How many of us will be ever have the opportunity to see, smell, and enjoy different kinds of food? different kinds of coffee, different kinds of chocolate, <laughs> different kinds of wines or fruits. How many of us will have that opportunity? Even if we are able to see and to hear all of this, we'll never be satisfied. That is crazy. But I'd like to consider a couple midrashim, if you allow me. From this text, Rashi, for instance, I'm going to read this quickly. Uh, Rashi, for instance, Rashi commences not only on the Torah, but on just about any Hebrew, any of the Hebrew stuff. He suggests that the kind of speech that is never satisfying refers to idle talk, talk that is not of the Torah. This implies an assumption, is that conversation and hearing about Torah is in some way able to satisfy, perhaps more completely or on a deeper level, just in a very narrow sense, to study an ancient biblical text, the Torah portion a week, 
in a very deeply way and understanding. That, my friends, is better than any show on Netflix or Hulu or a couple of hours browsing the internet for no reason. A study of the Word of God of any kind, deep, basic, or just reading the weekly parashah, haftarah, and the portion of the apostolic scriptures should exclude most shows or any other idle talk, or at least will put them toward the end of at least our daily priorities. I'm not saying it's wrong, just you need to put them in the bottom of your list. What is Rashi? What I think Rashi is trying to teach us, is, us here is to remind us to establish habits of properly prioritizing what's more important to see and hear. Rabbi Joseph Caro, an important medieval sage from the era of Rashi's, has a more strict option on this verse of Kohelet. He suggests that a person can see things and hear things and always think they are new and amazing, when in fact, as Kohelet goes on to say in the very next verse, only that shall happen which has happened, only that occur which has occurred, there is nothing new under the sun. So the phenomenon of being amazed at things is in some way missing a larger point that nothing is really new. Nothing is really new. It's come newer for us but it's not really new. So different from Rashi, Carol is saying in the end, seeing all these things doesn't really matter. In the end, it's a distraction from what's really important. Kohelet reminds us that two are better than one when walking, when lying together. Being together is important, and Kohelet urges, urges people to enjoy life as that enjoyment is often fleeing. Joy is important too. My approach to this verse is kind of simple. What is your motivation to do things? What is your motivation? Just ask before anything you're going to do, what motivates me to do this? And that will help you to research again your heart. What am I spending time in this stupid movie, for instance? And have you watched a movie that is, it seems important, but then you realize the main topic is not really important and at the end it's so stupid that you're like, man, I spent two hours in this thing and look how it ends. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. It's worse yet if you pay for it. <laughs> I mean, come on. You've got to be careful what you put your money on. So ask yourself all the time. Or better yet, what a spiritual benefit this will cause to my family, to myself and to my family, my congregants. Some of you are Martians, but it's okay. <laughs> what kind of benefit will bring to me so I can teach to others? Because all of us are teachers of the Word, you know that. Amen. And priests. Uh, but let's not forget one uh, of the main misbot of Sukkot. This is supposed to be the season of our rejoicing. It's not to see or to hear as much as we can. It's to be outside and enjoy the environment. Now it's raining, so let's enjoy just the fellowship area. But we need to recognize how fragile we are, appreciating the world as is, the whole world as it is. 
having good food, having good conversation and fellowship with our brethren, just appreciating the creation of, his, of our Creator. That's what we need to do. Just enjoy our families and enjoy our peoples. But there is more proper ways for us the believers to use our eyes and ears. Our Rabbi Yeshua referred to his Talmudin ideas taken from the prophet Isaiah many years before his appearance in Israel. Reasoning and responding to the disciples on why he was using parables to teach. Matthew 13, 14, 16, I'm reading from the Jewish Bible. He says, that is, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Yeshua which says, you will keep on hearing but never understand and keep on seeing but never perceive because the heart of his people has become dull and their ears are barely here and their eyes they have closed so as not to see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart and do teshuvah so that I, will, I could heal them. Have you done this during this season? We still are in process of Teshuvah, you know that. Yes, we are rejoicing, but at the same time, it's still for you time to do Teshuvah. But you, and he's referring to his Talmudin, therefore to us as well, but you, how blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So, I'm going to end it up with this. I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do as Peter tells us to do. 1 Peter 3, 11, 13. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and chase after it. For the night keeps his eyes on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of Adonai is against those who do evil things. For who will hurt you if you become zealous? what is good may Adonai bless his word Amen. Amen.